Well, welcome to today's SACPOS uh, meeting titled Open Access to the Grid or Gridlock, a look at the Alberta Electric System Operator, the AESO. My name is Dustin Fuller and I'll be moderating today's meeting. SACPA is a volunteer not-for-profit organization that relies on the contributions of members and session attendees to continue its work. I would like to acknowledge the University of Lethbridge for their financial and flyer distribution support and of course thank um, Country Kitchen Catering um, for preparing lunch. Lunch is $10. Please have somebody um, collect the funds at each table uh, prior to SACPA collecting it. The format of today's meeting is up to a 30-minute presentation by Ms. Dawkins, followed by lunch, um, and at 1 o'clock, um, question period will begin. And there is the mic for question period. I look forward to hearing your questions. Ms. Dawkins is currently working um, in the Alberta Energy uh, System Operator Corporate Communications Group as a Community Relations Advisor. She looks after public outreach, community support, regional advisor program, and government relations. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Leanne Dawkins. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. I also wanted just to acknowledge that I have my coworker here, uh, Don Delaney, who's also here with the ISO. Um, I have been with the ISO for about seven years. I was there for five years, took a little break, and then I've been back with the organization now for two years. Um, as mentioned, I work in corporate communications. Um, I do a lot of, speak louder, you bet. I do a lot of public open houses throughout the province. Recognize quite a few faces actually from the open houses I was involved with last year for the um, Southern Alberta Transmission Reinforcement Project. I do realize you guys typically ask questions after, but if you need clarification on anything throughout the presentation, by all means, just let me know. So the ISO was established in 2003. Um, that is when the Department of Energy merged together the Power Pool of Alberta and the Transmission Administrator. We are an independent system operator. We're a not-for-profit organization. We have no financial interest in the electricity market. We don't own any assets. We don't build anything. We are governed by an independent board, and the Minister of Energy appoints the chair of our board. The remainder of the board members are chosen through a recruitment process. We are regulated by the Alberta Utilities Commission, formerly the EUB. As mentioned, I said the ISO is a not-for-profit organization, and we get funded through two separate avenues. So we get funded through a pool trading charge, so that's at the wholesale level. So everyone who's buying and selling power they have to pay an extra 17 cents on top of that, and part of that money goes to fund the ISO. The other is through a transmission tariff. Now that tariff is regulated every year and approved by the AUC. We have four main functions at the ISO. The first one is we have to develop and operate the real-time market. So like I said, we act like an, a stock exchange for the electricity market. So everyone buys and sells power through our power pool. We're not able to set the price. The price is set where supply meets demand. So it's actually the market that sets that price. We also are in charge of planning and developing the transmission system. So we have planners that are working all the time on different areas of the province. So they're looking to see where we think we need new infrastructure as well as where we need to reinforce existing infrastructure that's already in place. We're also in charge of providing access to the transmission system. So regardless of what generation is proposed or where it's proposed, if it's approved by the AUC, 
the ISO is legislated to connect that generation to the overall transmission system. And finally, we actually direct the reliable operation of the Alberta Power Grid. So we have the System Coordination Center, which is actually pictured in the back, that runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year round. And that's where we have the controllers matching supply and demand at all times, as well as directing which lines are being used around the province. So they're kind of the air traffic controllers of the electricity system. So this is kind of how the industry works since deregulation. Like I said, we were created through the Electric Utilities Act, and the Minister of Energy appoints the, the, board, uh, the chair of our board. Some of the other players are the balancing pool. So they um, look after all the unsold um, assets that didn't get sold during the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The auction when the electricity market deregulated. You have us, which is the independent system operator, you have the Alberta Utilities Commission, which is the regulating body. You have your transmission facility owners. So in the province, there's Altalink, ATCO. EPCOR is the transmission facility owner, or TFOs as we call them, um, for the city of Edmonton. And NMAX is the TFO for the city of Calgary. You have your distribution facility owners, your retailers, as well as the MSA, or the Market Surveillance Administrator. They're known as the watchdog of the electricity industry. That's more on the market side, so if they think someone's playing unfairly or not following the rules in the market, that's when they step in. This just kind of gives you an idea of what the Alberta system currently is. So we have two current inner ties. We have a connection with British Columbia, and we have a connection with Saskatchewan. Um, we hit a new system peak this year in December, which I believe was on December 14th, December 14th, and that was just over 10,000 megawatts. When we talk about our internal grid capacity, that, what that means is at any given point, we have the ability to generate 12,763 megawatts of power in this province. So that's the total amount of generation we have available to us in Alberta. This will give you a breakdown of what that whole 12,000 is encompassed of. So you have, we're still a very high thermal-based province. So we still do have a lot of coal in this province. Natural gas has been climbing significantly in the last couple years. Um, we do have a little bit of hydropower. And as you know, down in this part of the province, we do have some wind power. I was showing you at the bottom, we do have those two inner ties. And this, those numbers at the bottom show the ability of how much megawatts we can actually transfer across those tie lines. People always ask, you know, um, how much power do you export? Uh, the ISO has actually been a net importer for the last six years. We're typically importing power between the hours of 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. That's when everyone goes home, turns on all their appliances at the same time. We're typically exporting power in the middle of the night. That's usually due to the fact that we are a thermal-based system. You can't shut down a coal plant and then turn it right back on again. So they're always humming that little bit in the middle of the night. If we don't need all that power that we're generating, it needs to go somewhere. So that's why we rely on our inner ties so closely with BC and Saskatchewan. So that if we, we don't need the power that we're generating, we can export it out. If we do need power, we're able to borrow some or buy some from Saskatchewan or BC. 
This is just a high level of the flow of power and electricity. So when we talk about the deregulated market, there are certain aspects of this market that are deregulated. So the generation side is a deregulated market. So that's private investors deciding that they want to build generation in Alberta as a viable business proposition. The ISO is in charge of the transmission lines that come out of the generator, so at that first substation there, that run along until you get to that second substation, which is what's called a distribution substation. Those lines are regulated by the AUC, and that's what the ISO controls or looks after. Once the power gets stepped down at that second substation, which is called a distribution substation, it gets stepped down and it's fed along those lines that feed into our businesses and homes. And those are looked after by your distribution facility owner. So that could be a Fortis Alberta, it could be an NMAX, it could be an ATCO. So the retail side of the business is deregulated, and the generation side of the business is deregulated, but the transmission side of the business is still regulated by the AUC. This just kind of gives you a kind of a quick look at the demand of power on the system and what supply we have. So the demand for power is up 28% since the year 2000. I think most people know that Alberta's been growing at a very rapid pace for the last few years. We've been averaging about 3% per year over the last few years, and we expect to see that still over the next 20 years. That's equivalent of adding the, size, the city the size of Red Deer twice every time onto the demand for electricity on the system. When we look at the supply for power, we, look, we forecast that we're going to need another 5,000 megawatts by 2017, and we're going to have to almost double what we currently have in this province by 2027. One of the things about a transmission system when you do work in a deregulated market is you need to be able to entice generation to build in this province. We can't force anyone to build generation, and so for a, for a generator to want to build in Alberta, they need to know that the infrastructure is in place for them to do so. So part of our job is to ensure that we have the infrastructure in place to help further economic development in this province. Since deregulation, there has been over 4,000 megawatts of generation added to the system, and that's all been through private investment. This gives you an idea of where we think, have an idea potentially of where we're going to see some future generation in the province. As you can see from top to bottom, there's interest in generation across the province. As you know down here, there's a large wind interest. Right now, we just have over 7,000 megawatts of wind waiting to come on the system in southern Alberta. The problem we face is the transmission system is congested down here, and we don't have room to accommodate any more wind. So that is the reason that we were out last year for the Southern Alberta Transmission Reinforcement Project. That new 240 kV loop is to help accommodate some of that wind um, that's being built down here. We know of some gas plants that are looking towards the Calgary area that potentially might pop up. Uh, we've just put forward a need application for a substantial um, wind development in the Hanna region. Um, most people have known about the nuclear discussions that are going on in the province. We have this on our slide to be aware of it. Um, and like I said, if, if it's approved to be built in the province, then we will connect it to the transmission system. Um, there's a, a large hydro plant that's being looked at in the Slave River area. Again, we don't know if it's going to come through or not, but we do have to have it in our plans to say we might need to accommodate that in the future.
So how do we plan the system? One of the things we do a lot of forecasting within our organization, we look at GDP, we look at trends, we obviously work very closely with the industry to find out where potential generators might want to build in this province. We also plan in scenarios. So what we do is we would take the lowest possible scenario of how much generation might be built in the province, and then we take the range about five scenarios up, what's the most we might see, and then we plan within that range. So we don't plan for the least, we don't plan for the most, but we plan within those barriers. Um, we also have to ensure that we meet reliability standards that are laid out to us in the Western Electricity Coordination Council. So we're a part of a big grid that we have to maintain certain reliability standards on our system. We do substantial planning in the ISO. We do a 10-year outlook and a 20-year outlook as well. Now those are redone right now every two years to every four years, but I believe the ISO is actually going to a long-term plan every year. So that long-term plan that we released um, last year will now be, is in the process of being updated again for this year. Previously in the world, when we used to plan for transmission, before I ever worked at the ISO, definitely cost was the number one consideration when planning a system. Society has changed and the way we plan the system has changed along with it. So we look at many different things when we're planning a transmission system. Obviously we do look at cost because it's important to be prudent in the costs. We look at the technical performance. So what do we technically need to have work in that area of the province? What kind of capacity do we need? Do we want AC? Do we want DC? Then what's kind of bumped up under the top of the list is the impacts from a social, social aspect, environmental, and land use. So as you, most of you know, the ISO has been out over the last few years talking to landowners and the public to find out what they think and where they think these lines should go. So transition planning is a two-stage process. So as I said, the ISO is responsible for identifying the need for transmission. So we might say that we think we need to build transmission from A to B. And we think that that transmission should be at this level of capacity. We then prepare what's called a needs identification document. And what that document says is that we need, we feel the province needs transmission from A to B and it needs this much capacity, 240, 500. We file that with the AUC. The AUC either says, yes, we agree, or no, we don't, or yes, we agree, but we want you to do further studies. If that is approved by the AUC, we then what's called direct assign the work to the transmission facility owner who owns that, the lines in that part of the province. It's then up to the transmission facility owner to go in within that area between A and B and find the best route possible to build that transmission line. There could be 10 potential routes between A and B. That's not the ISO's job to decide. That's up to the TFO to go in and work one-on-one -on -one with landowners based on environmental assessment impacts um, and trying to figure out the best possible route to decide where that transmission line will go. They too then have to provide what's called a facilities application. That goes to, again, the AUC with the exact route of what they think should happen. And it's up to the AUC to approve or deny that request. There is the, the opportunity for hearings at both the facility stage and the needs stage. With the implementation of the recent Bill 50 um, that was passed in legislation last year, 
That changes the process a little bit for projects that are deemed critical. So the ISO had identified four projects in its recent long-term plan that they thought were we deemed critical for the reliability of Alberta. So at this, those projects, the Department of Energy has the ability to prove the NEAT, which they have done for four projects. There's still a regulatory hearing at the transmission facility owner level. So there's still a regulatory hearing for the exact route of that project. Bill 50 only impacts critical projects. All other projects that were within the ISO's long-term plan still go through this two-stage process. So we still have to file a needs application to the AUC. There's still potential for having a regulatory hearing. And then if it's approved, we then move to the transmission facility owner for them to pick the route. One of the things the ISO embarked on, like I said a few years ago, was to really work with the public on, on the need for transmission. So we have a very rigorous consultation program that is actually laid out to us by the AUC. There's a rule called Rule 7, which dictates the type of consultation the ISO must perform in regards to the needs for transmission in the province. Um, we did numerous open houses. I was involved in all of the open houses for the South Project um, both stages. So we did 24 open houses in total in the south, just going out to talk to the public about the need for transmission so they can understand why we're out in their community. We also have a very busy website. We do newspaper ads. We meet with um, municipal, um, provincial government. I specifically go out to chambers of commerce, rotary clubs, organizations like yourself, so that people can understand who the ISO is and what our role is. We work very closely with Area First Nations and then obviously with the industry stakeholders. So on June 2nd, 2009, the ISO filed its long-term plan with the AUC. Uh, we took a lot of our guidance from the energy strategy that was released on December 11th, 2008. In that energy strategy, it was very apparent that we were charged with strengthening the transmission system in this province. We haven't built, like I said, significant transmission in this province in over 20 years, yet our population has grown by 45% in those years. So at some point, I always equate it to highways. You know, if you get too many cars going down a highway, at some point you're going to get, have an accident. So it's just the same as the transmission system. If things get so congested, eventually you're going to have an accident on those transmission lines. So we embarked on this long-term plan to figure out how we could, number one, strengthen the reliability of this transmission system, but as well be able to accommodate renewable resources in the province. This is the, the map that came out, and does this come off? I just want to identify some of the projects. So some of the critical infrastructure projects that you've heard about are the two lines here. So this is the one line from Calgary to Edmonton, the western side of, and then this is the eastern line for Calgary to Edmonton. Now we went out as the ISO and um, held over 40 open houses on that project in regards to the need for that project. The other project that we're currently working on is in the Heartland area, and that's to accommodate some of the upgraders in that part of the province. This is the 240 kV loop that we were talking about to integrate the wind. 
Now that need for that project, um, we had a hearing in June with the AUC, and on September 8th, I believe, the, the need for that project was approved, and so we have directed AltaLink to go out and, f and to actually site that those transmission lines. So there's open houses going on right now around the southern part of the province about that project. We're also looking at upgrading from the Heartland area up to Fort McMurray and back out again. And then in the future, we look at integrating out towards the northeast. You will see some uh, potential tie lines that we're looking at in the province. We do rely heavily on our tie lines with Saskatchewan and BC for a number of reasons. Number one is reliability. So like I said, typically ISO has been a net importer for the last seven years. And we're, we're importing between the hours of four and seven, so what we call the peak time. So what that's saying is the ISO can't meet its own needs from a generation perspective between four and seven. So we do have to rely on these inner ties to be able to meet the demand on the system. The other thing inner ties do is it, it allows you to accommodate more renewable resources. A good example is wind. So wind comes on very, very quickly and then goes off very, very quickly. So if, you, if you're currently meeting the demands of Alberta and supply always has to equal demand and all of a sudden the wind starts blowing and we have an, a ton of wind come on the system, you need to be able to rely on your inner ties to move power out of the province to accommodate that wind. And it has to happen in a second. At the same time, if all of a sudden that wind drops off, you need to be able to import power very quickly to accommodate that wind that you just lost. Alberta is one of the least interconnected jurisdictions in North America. So inner ties are very important to be able to integrate renewable resources in this province. This just gives you an overview of some of the costs associated with these projects. So our plan, there was a lot of numbers thrown around um, last year when they were talking about Bill 50 and about what the projects were going to cost. The whole plan, the whole 10-year outlook plan, was about 14.6 or 14.5 billion dollars. These are the critical transmission projects that we see coming out of that. Now keep in mind that this plan isn't a one-off plan. That plan is reviewed every year. So if, if the demand on the system isn't increasing like we we forecasting it is now, then that plan will be revamped to accommodate the new changes in Alberta. So it's not a plan that we do once and we never look at again. That long-term plan is looked at on a yearly basis. We finish one and we start the review of the next one. So it's a, it's a constant process. The one that I didn't speak to um, is the South Calgary project. That's actually reinforcement in the south part of Calgary, um, and that's purely due to increase um, of demand on the electricity system. Some of the additional transmission that I talked about that was on that map was to integrate some of the renewable resources that we see. So in the northwest, it was potentially for the slave, um, the slave hydro project. In the northeast, we're seeing some more wind come up. Um, so the total is plus the bulk transmission, which gives you about $3.8 million. When we talk about regional transmission, to date we've always separated our system between bulk and regional. Bulk we consider as like the superhighways of where you're moving large quantities of power from one end of the province to the other. But you still have to look at all the regional areas. So a good example is Red Deer right now. We're looking at some substantial reinforcement 
in the Red Deer area just to keep their lights on due to the growth. It's also aging infrastructure, so at some point the costs of maintaining those lines become too much and it's better to just build new ones. Can I clarify? Yeah, of course, Ken. Nine. Yeah, and so the bottom is the plus the 570, and regional transmission gives you. But that's not 3,872 million. That's a trillion dollars. You mean billions. Billions, yes. Okay, yeah. An extra zero in there. Sorry. And again, some of these projects, like I said, we're looking at, but the studies for those projects haven't started yet. So some of the inner ties that we're looking at is a second inner tie with BC. Um, potentially doing an inner tie between Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Another um, reinforcing the inner tie with our Saskatchewan um, partner, as well as a potential U.S. Pacific Northwest inner tie. A lot of people in this area probably have heard about the Montana Alberta tie line or MATL. That is a merchant tie line. So that isn't paid for by the ratepayers. That is paid for by the private investors who have decided that it's a good financial investment for them. As far as I know, that project has been approved on the Alberta side and it has been approved on the American side. Now it's up to um, the investors to be able to work with landowners to get that line built. And I believe that's the stage that that they're at right now is working with landowners to try and cite that line. The ISO isn't involved in that process, but they do have to follow the same regulatory process that the ISO does when trying to um, plan the need for transmission. As far as communication goes, um, like I said, we released the plan on June 2nd, 2009. Um, we did numerous editorial boards across the province. Um, Myself and some of our other executive members and directors have been around the province trying to educate Albertans on the need for transmission and the role of the ISO. Most people don't know who the ISO is unless the lights go out or someone wants to... <laughs> then they know who we are. Or they want to plan transmission in their area. So we really feel it's important to engage the public. We can't expect people to understand understand the need unless we take the time to explain it to them. So part of my role is to go out and to work with the public and to engage them and have conversations and dialogue on the ISO, our role, and the need for transmission in Alberta. Um, Powering Albertans magazine is something that I work on, and it's, I'm just about to uh, launch the fifth version of that. That's just an educational um, magazine that tries to help Albertans understand the need for um, transmission in the province, who all the players are, how the electricity system works since deregulation. Um, in recent years, we've done some partnerships with Education, Science Alberta, and Inside Education are two people we've worked with to try and get some of this information out to the youth um, and educate um, our, our kids on, on how the electricity system actually works. I was saying earlier... Um, been in the industry for seven years, and up until that point, I never thought about what it took to turn the lights on other than flicking that switch. The odd time the fuse box would go, and I'd know to change a fuse, but other than that, that was the extent of my knowledge. The electricity system is a highly interconnected, complex system. There's never an easy answer to any question. Um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes other than just flipping that switch. And that is it for me. So hopefully you guys will enjoy your lunch, and I look forward to some challenging questions after the lunch break. <laughs>